We're talking about being courageous. Does anyone recognize that roller coaster ride? What is it? It is oblivion. Now, I've never been on it because, not that I'm not brave or courageous, I'm just not stupid. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Who has been on oblivion? Give us a wave. Wow, that is impressive. So, the best thing that I like about that video is when it gets right to the top, and you know it just like hangs there for a minute looking down, and someone does this proper girly scream. So, I think someone in the room screamed louder than someone on that video. So, can I have a little girly scream from the room today? That is impressive. Well done. We haven't even practiced that. So, the reason that I've chosen that particular video um, is because of the way the roller coaster goes and the fact that it hangs at the top and then it plummets down. So, there's something about that that we're going to go back to later. Um, I've got a picture of someone to show you now. Uh, and this picture, oh, it's up there. So I asked people to guess who it was, and some people guessed it was me, so we can rule me out. But have you got any guesses? Does anyone recognize who this might be? Just shout out if you think you do. Phil Holland went for uh, Jane Torville. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. It is actually female, um, but good, good guessing there. So, okay, I was kind of thinking you wouldn't actually know who it was, um, and that's what I was sort of hoping for because I want to tell you her story now. So she was born in 1954, and her name is Julianne Kopeck. I'm saying it quickly because I don't know how to pronounce the surname, so we're just going to call her. Julianne, okay? And this story, this is a true story. I kind of feel a bit nervous saying this is true because it makes everything sound that everything else I say from this point on won't be, but it is a true story. Everything is going to be true today. So she, um, this thing happened to her when she was 17 years old, and I need to share that story with you today. Um, so, just to give you a little backstory for her, her parents are German, and she was brought up in Lima, Peru, in the uh, rainforest, in the Amazon rainforest. She spent her early teenage years there, and um, during that time, as an early teenager, she'd learnt some survival skills that she needed in the rainforest. Keep hold of that thought. Um, after that, she was being homeschooled, but the authorities felt this wasn't the best for her and that she needed some um, different education. So they moved her away from her parents for several years and she was educated elsewhere. She graduated and she was 17. And on the 24th of December, 1971, she was flying home from school with a mum who'd been at the graduation and they were flying back to um, their home in the rainforest. Her parents were um, research scientists, and so this was like her background. So they set off. Is anyone going on holiday in the next few weeks? Anyone getting on a plane? <laughs> okay, maybe cover your ears for just like the next <laughs> or so. Just felt I might need to say that. You might know where we're heading now. So they set off on this plane. Her, her 
Dad hadn't wanted them to get this flight because this airline didn't have a good reputation. But it was the only airline that was flying and the only way that they could actually get back. The flight was seven hours late leaving. So we think that there's nothing new under the sun, don't we? So I mean, seven hours late back in 71. It all set off, it was all fine. But suddenly, 10 minutes into the journey, they came and they hit um, a thunderstorm. For 10 minutes, they were in the plane and the thunderstorm was just like raging around them. And it said that the lockers were coming open and, and bits, of, bits and pieces were just like flying everywhere. And I want to read you her description of what happened next so I get her right. After 10 minutes, it was obvious something was wrong. There was heavy turbulence and the plane was jumping up and down. Things were flying around the cabin. When we saw the lightning around the plane, I was scared. My mother and I held hands, but we were unable to speak. Our passengers, all the passengers began to cry and weep and scream. And after about 10 minutes, I saw a very bright light on the outer engine on the left. My mother very calmly said, that's the end, it's all over. And those were the last words that I heard from her. The plane jumped down and went into a nosedive. It was pitch black and people were screaming and the deep roaring of the engines filled my head completely. Suddenly, the noise stopped and I was outside the plane. At this point, the plane is two miles up in the air. I was outside the plane. I was in free fall, strapped to my seat, and I was hanging head over heels. This is like the oblivion feeling. So she's on, on a seat, she's on her own now. The people beside her have disappeared and she's there. So she comes hurtling down towards the treetops, towards the rainforest, and she can just see the trees spinning and spinning. And then eventually she lands, she crash lands through them. That's it, she doesn't remember another thing. She wakes up, she loses consciousness. She wakes up and she says, I'm alive. I've survived an air crash. And she's got a broken collarbone and she's got other um, kind of more superficial injuries. She's in the rainforest. And now, what's she going to do next? She thinks back only a few years to when she was like a younger teenager. She's 17 now. And she just remembers the survival techniques that she was taught. Her glasses have gone in the flight and she's got one sandal left. So she takes the sandal off because she knows that the dried leaves, uh, snakes can resemble the dried leaves. And very slowly, she starts to hit the floor as she moves forward. She's found a bag of sweets, and that is what she survives on for the next 10 days. Um, there's various parts in her story, which I just kind of... She's not a Christian, this girl, but I want to pick stuff out of it because it's just so relevant. And I think about the survival techniques she learned when she was younger. And I just want to ask this question today, like, what have you been through in life already that you learned some stuff, that you've learned something that's built up a resilience in you, that's built up skills in you, that when you come 
interested in seeing the Thrive t-shirts, when you hit the next level in your faith walk, that you have got those skills to draw on and that you can use them because you've been on a certain journey and you've learned some stuff on the way. So that was something with a sandal she was able to make a way forward. The next bit's quite horrific, but she knows from her upbringing, she knows the sounds of different birds that are in the rainforest. And on day four, day four of being alone with only these sweets to, you know, feed on, she hears the sound of a king vulture landing in the trees. And she knows that the king vulture only lands if there's food. And that food are the other members of the plane who haven't survived. 93 people on the plane and she is the one survivor. She says then, I was afraid, I was scared. She carries on making a way and she finds a, a way to some water. There's a stream that um, eventually develops into a river and she gets into that because she knows from her training she will be safer there. She will be safer in the water. And while she's um, making her way through the river, she then comes to, um, just before she gets in the river, sorry, she hears the sound overhead of um, search planes. So at this point, she's still under the, the forest, under the trees, in, and she, she can't see out of that, and neither can they see her because the trees are blocking the view. And she's wandering around. She can hear her hope of rescue, but she just cannot, you know, make any signs to be rescued. And they're looking for her, but they can't find her. And it kind of spoke to me in a way of times in life when we feel that we are desperate for an answer on something. We are in a situation and we just, we walk and we put in one step in front of the other. We're continuing on, but we need God to speak. And somehow something comes into our sphere of life and we just cling onto it and we think that is the answer. But it isn't actually God's answer. It's something else. But we, we put all our eggs in one basket, if you like, and we think that is it. And then we just like get so disappointed because she heard the quietening of the engines as they moved away. And she knew that they weren't going to rescue her. And that was a hope. But God had other plans. There's other plans. And he's taken us a longer journey so that we can get to a different place. And he knows the things that are going to come our way. And he knows, he longs for us not to be too disappointed when something doesn't work out. Because he's got another step. He's got another step. So... She's in the river now anyway. She's, she's feeling safer because she knows where she is and she's heading along the river and it's now day 10. And at day 10, she's starting to hallucinate and she thinks she sees a boat. But actually when she gets to it, it is, there's a boat there and um, the boat, there's no people around at this point, but it has an outboard motor and it has some, I'm going to say the word, gasoline. We don't use gasoline, do, do we say gasoline? What, I don't know what we say, but I'll keep saying gas. What do we say? Petrol, petrol, thank you. So it's, got, it's not got gasoline, it's got petrol in it. And she takes the petrol um, because one of her wounds has become infested by maggots. So 
she thinks back and she remembers to the time on the, um, you know, the research station with the parents when their dog had a wound infested by maggots. And the, her dad took some of the, um, it was kerosene on that occasion, and dabbed it on the wound. And then that gets rid of the maggots. So that's what she did. So she took the petrol and she put it on the wound. And the pain, she says, was excruciating as they tried to dive in further into the wound. But gradually, she was able to pull out 30 maggots. So, have you got any maggots in your life? Have you got stuff in your life that is eating you away? Have you got things that maybe when you were on a low or you were hurt or something happened and these things, people even, have just been allowed to get in and they're causing you pain and they are causing you hurt and you need to get rid of them. It might be as simple as a, I'm on Instagram and unfollow some stuff. It's just not helpful. And you follow it because at first it looks quite interesting, but it's not helpful. Unfollow. Get rid of the maggot. Is someone in your life who is, they're a bad influence and you, you really, you just don't need to be around them. And it's tough decisions, isn't it? But somehow there might need to be difficult conversations where you move them. And so that you can heal, you can be whole, you can be the entire person that God wants you to be without this other stuff eating you away. And she says at that moment when she took these maggots out, she says then that um, she said, I just felt proud of myself. And I just feel, do you know what, today, celebrate the victories. Do you know when you just achieve something and you thought, I never thought I'd do that. Celebrate the victories. And just be like proud that God, Jesus, has given you the strength to do that one thing, whatever it is. And just be glad of that because it kind of buoys you up, you know, for other occasions. Um, and you can think, do you know what? I can do this. With God's help, I can do what feels impossible. That, that I'll just tell you this last little bit about her because she went on to um, do a degree and she studied mammals and she specialised in bats, B-A-T-S. And she met her husband, Eric, and he specialised in his degree in parasitic wasps. So isn't that lovely that someone who loves bats and someone who loves wasps would ever meet each other and marry and then go on to live happily ever after? I felt I needed to introduce some lightness into the story. That's also true as well. Um, the thing is, to me, that was spontaneous courage. It happened because of her situation. She never thought that day that that would be the case. But she went on to go and um, do all those courageous things. Even a year after, she got back in a plane because she had to fly the exact same route to get out of where she was to uh, the other place. And I think that is incredibly courageous that she's gone and done that. But this morning, I wanted to talk about us and planned courage. And do you know what? When Victoria was up here before, she could have preached for me. She could have preached. That was just so good. Everything she said was like, I've never like wanted to raise my hand in worship. But I saw those young people doing it. And I thought, 
I can do this. I am going to do it. And it's, a, it's not always like massive things, is it? But that was a big and courageous thing. And I'm so glad you said that because it's really like, help me with this. So today we're going to look at this, these um, three verses of scripture together. And I'll, um, I'll read them. So it's from Luke 7. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house. His name was Simon. And Jesus reclined at the table because in those days, that's what you did. You kind of lay forward with your feet behind. And a woman who had led a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. And she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And she stood behind him at his feet weeping. And she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair. And she kissed them and poured perfume on them. To us, that is quite a bizarre thing. If we were at someone's house for dinner and this lady came in and kind of did these things, it, it's all a little bit strange, isn't it? But there were certain customs in Jesus' day, customs about providing your guests with water, customs about greeting them with a kiss, customs about washing the dusty feet from the road. Um, so there are difference, there are things in there that it's not that unusual but it was it, it does seem odd as well at the same time but I just want to concentrate you know when it says in that first verse it says about this lady that she led a sinful life other translations of the bible they've kind of pick up other slants on that but for us I don't want to jump on that speculation bandwagon I just want to read what it says there, she led a sinful life. We don't have to embroider it. It's just what it is. She lived in that village and she was an outcast. People would have kind of hurried past her. They didn't want to know her. They didn't want to be part of her life. They didn't want her in their lives either. But I imagine that one day she was there on that hillside when Jesus was speaking. She was there, maybe not sat with the main crowd because they wouldn't have wanted that, but she was there and she just listened to everything he had to say. And she heard him say things like, blessed are those who mourn because they'll be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after right living because they'll be filled. And his preach, his um, words brought her hope and comfort and the option of a new life that was different. And I believe that as a at a distance, she just drank that all in. And she knew her life. But you know what? For us, Jesus knows our backstory. And he knows our future. And he looked at this woman. And that's what he could see. He didn't see her tainted with all the stuff that the people of the town saw. He saw her as a woman before him with a future. And that's the same for us. He knows our backstory. He knows it all. But he also sees what we can be. And he sees what the future can hold for us. Um, when I was preparing this, I remembered a line from a really, really old song. So it's, I hear the accuser roar of ills that I have done. 
I know them all and thousands more. Jehovah findeth none. So I know it's an old song because it says findeth. And we don't use that word, do we, findeth. But it's just kind of saying that God knows I know it all. I look back to things I did when I was 11 and I'm horrified at things I said. But you know what? The stamp over my life now is forgiven. God has forgiven me. And I don't have to keep bringing this stuff up because I'm forgiven. And that's what this woman knew. So the Jesus she'd seen at a distance, here was her choice. Here was her opportunity, her chance. And she made it into that house. She was at home and she thought, I have heard that Jesus will be at Simon's house. I am going. And nothing stopped her. And she got there. She knew she was going to take that perfume. She knew she was going to break it open and pour it on his feet. I don't know if she knew she was going to cry. But she got so close to him that the tears just flowed. Out of gratitude of what Christ has done, the tears flowed. And when you get close to Jesus... You just experience that, don't you? Because you know, we know what he's done for us. And in that intimate place, she just wept and her tears went all over his feet and she dried them with her hair and she anointed his feet with the oil. And she did not care. She did not care what Simon the Pharisee or the other religious people or anyone else in the room thought. That was her moment. I just wanted to talk as a finish now about the what ifs. So our band are going to come back up. And um, I just thought about this woman and I thought about what if she bottled it that day? Because it's, it's a story about worshipping Jesus and crying at his feet and anointing him. But it's also for me a story of incredible personal courage because she did it. She planned it. She thought about it. In her own home, she got together the alabaster box with the perfume and she thought, I am going. And often we have good intentions. Courage helps us accomplish good things. But often we think, I can't do it. We talk ourselves out of it. Yeah, but what if they say this? Or what if they look at me like that? Or what if, what if, what if? But she didn't do that. She was just determined. She was determined to go. And I kind of thought, if she hadn't done it, in my Bible, in Luke 7, that story wouldn't be there. Because it wouldn't have happened. She'd stayed at home. And it goes on to say in that part that Jesus kind of questions Simon a little bit and he gives him this little story about someone who's got, um, who owed a lot of money and someone who owed a little money. And he said to Simon, who loves the most when those debts were forgiven? And Simon, I think through gritted teeth, had to say, the one who's been forgiven the most. So we've got a story of about a woman who loves the most because she dared to follow through. She was courageous. She dared to go and do that act of worship at Jesus' feet. And I wonder, what courageous things are there for us to do? What is there that we, we mustn't talk ourselves out of? 
We have got to do it so that those stories are written in our lives so that others will see them and can be courageous too with it. Would you just stand with me now, please? I just want to pray for you before, before we sing again. Yeah, Father God, today, I just thank you, Lord, that the, um, the what if question, what if, what if we don't do it? What if we don't take that step? What if we're not brave? And Father, I pray that all over this room now, Lord, that you will help us to be brave and courageous in the way you designed us to be. God, that you will help us to be brave and to take steps that really need to be taken so that our stories contain glorious things and acts for you that other people can look at. And Father, I pray today that as we, as we consider these things, Lord, and we see her example, someone who was like an outcast, God, but you, um, you knew what her future would be like. And Father, thank you that you change us around. And God, you give us hope. And Father, we just look to you today. And we thank you, God, that there is a future. There is purpose. There are things to accomplish because of you, Jesus. And we're just so grateful. Thank you, Lord. Amen.